Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 83 of Half Street High Heat. Thank you for joining us as always. Hope everybody had a very lovely Christmas. There's lots to talk about tonight, but before we do that, let's introduce ourselves. For those of you who might be new listeners, I'm Amanda. You can find me on Twitter at awhite7877. I'm joined as always by my punctilious co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. You can find them on Twitter at dcnatchak and at halfshackcap. You should also follow our extended podcast family OPT at One Pursuit Takes, who's our digital media coordinator, and our blog contributor Monty at MDT 06181815. And of course, make sure you're following the show at Half Street High Heat. What's up, fellas? Uh, just need to correct you really quick. It is not episode 83. It is, in fact, episode 84. So oh, you dang. started off on a wrong note um but then again it does say episode 83 on the pod doc just throwing that out there uh oh that's because i didn't update that part (laughs) oh Oh, i see (laughs) 
Let's see. So, so for those of you who care, which is no one, this is actually episode 84. <laughs> so, I mean, you're just relying on me for yes. your information, which is just, you know, also standard. Clearly a mistake. I should not you're rely on unable you to form your own correct opinion. If you do form your own, your, your own opinion, it's, it's wrong. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, at least I can count to 84. So we've all got our crosses to bear, I suppose. I can count to 84, too. <laughs> well, except not on the pod doc. Well, anyway. We were keeping track, but. So, what's new this week? Um, Christmas. Christmas? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, I, I got nothing. I mean, I had a good Christmas. I hope you guys did as well. Um, but, you know. Oh, I do have a story. Wow. Man, it's it's tough to remember things during COVID. Um, but so my uncle ha- has been looking for a kitten and emphasis on kitten because, you you know, my cousins who are 16 and 10, they've never had a pet. Like They've moved a lot. So, you know, they've just never had a pet, but they're, you know, established now. So they're looking for a kitten uh, specifically because they want you to know, never sleep again. Well, that, but the full experience of, you know, raising a cat or just raising a pet and taking care of it and going through the whole, you know, training process and whatnot. Um, So my wife and I, like on our way, because we did Christmas on Saturday, so the day after Christmas, um, on our way to their house, we stopped at, not kidding, four different pet smarts and three different pet coats just to see, you know, what they had and whatnot. And, of course, the last PetSmart we stopped at was uh, the adoption event, like that, um, I think it was Fancy uh Cats, uh, that they were holding, which, of course, you know, we were 0 for 6 to that point. And we get there, and there's still kittens left, so I call my uncle, he rushes down, um, and whatnot, and in the, you know, five minutes that he was just kind of, like, hesitating and debating, uh, you know, which kitten he wanted, if he wanted one of these kittens, or if he wanted to keep looking, all four or five kittens were adopted. Oh, you know, man. That's what it gets for hesitating. So Yeah, he who hesitates is lost. Exactly, exactly. So we're still in the search. We have a couple promising leads, um, but we are adding another pet to our extended family here. Uh, oh, that's in exciting. The not too distant future. Speaking of kittens, how's Finn still driving you crazy? Well, nothing's truly real. Finn's not real either. Um, Finn's great. Um, every time I'm playing Miles Morales, Finn likes to scratch at my TV. Um, so oh. if he keeps doing that, Finn's going to find himself in my backyard real quick. Um, <laughs> don't touch my TV, Finn. Um, Finn's at a It's a 4K side. TV. Yeah, I just I just bought that bad boy. That thing was not cheap. I got it on sale, but it was not cheap. Yeah, so, even on sale, those things are <laughs> not what I would call cheap. Yeah, like I I got it because like it could support the PlayStation. Um, it, it wasn't cheap. But it was a good TV. Um, I just love this time of year. Like it's just great. Um, all the camaraderie, the delicious food. My food on Christmas was absolutely unreal. I made homemade lasagna in case anyone's wondering, and it was fantastic. Um, we also made homemade bread. But mm-hmm. I got HBO Max, which I'm really excited about because it's my husband was just asking me today if we should get HBO Max. Oh. I'll have to get your opinion on it. 
100%. Its lineup is phenomenal. And like, I love Netflix, but Netflix is losing the office. So there's really no point to Netflix anymore because that's all I use it for. Um, so I'm going through and I'm trying to figure out what I want to watch. And I see Euphoria. And like, my, my normal shows I watch are more sitcoms. I'm more of an office, it's always sunny and parks and rec kind of guy. You know, the lighthearted 20 minute episodes. I was like, I'll see what this is about. First episode was an hour. I wasn't quite sure what I watched. But it was pretty intense. You know, a lot happened. A lot of really, really weird things happened. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep watching it. And now I'm two days later on episode five, and it's unreal. So I highly recommend just so you can watch Euphoria. It definitely lives up to the hype. Um, okay. It's uh, a lot of people on it would love Manscaped. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should save the Euphoria uh, recommendation for the Manscaped There's, later in the show. There is <laughs> you just need lot. to be a, lo- a little prepared for what do, you're getting. Yourself well, into. here's the thing about disclaimer. do not watch it with your kids because there is a right. lot of there's a lot of male gentility on this show. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you one of the things about having kids that you re- that you don't really think about ahead of time is that you will never, until they've gone to bed, be able to watch anything worth a damn again, like because you can't have anything good on during the day. It, I, I watch a lot of like HGTV and Food Network and like no, you know, don't, don't sleep on HGTV and Food Network though. Those oh, shows rock. I'm not. That's all I watch. My husband is always like, "You look at houses all day. Why do you want to watch HGTV when you get home?" Like I don't know. I don't know why, but I do. So anyway, but you can't watch anything good until it's nighttime, and that's when I can get any work done, and then I fall asleep. So I watch very little TV these days. <laughs> Don't have enough energy in the evenings to get into anything after the kids have gone to bed. But I did get something cool for Christmas, which I guess came yesterday, but I didn't open until today. And I believe I should thank Ryan for this. It's a kick-ass gardening bench slash kneeler thing or gardening which is actually super duper awesome it's very heavy duty and uh i love it thank you very much that was very kind it's got a little thing for your tools and your knees yeah tools and knees and actually a lot of my gardens are in raised beds and then the bench is going to be perfect for that and then i have a couple of beds that are like on the ground and it's always hard on the knees so it's perfect thank you very much it was super thoughtful i'm already looking at seed catalogs and ordering seeds for the spring so i'm a really thoughtful guy yeah clearly (laughs) <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, Christmas was awesome around here with all the kids. It was our first Christmas with our littlest, our two littlest people. So that was really, really fun. And uh, didn't get to do the big family thing this year because of COVID, goddamn COVID. Um, ruining ruins everything. But um, we did get to see my mom, who we, we see pretty frequently. And she came over and spent the night on Christmas Eve and got to be here when the kids opened all the presents in the morning. So that was awesome. So yeah, Christmas pretty much took up the whole week. And uh, now it's back to the grind today, back to work. It should be legal to work between Christmas and New Year's. Like it, it really should. A nationwide holiday, just the entire week. The whole week, it's true. When I used to work like a corporate job, I always saved up all my vacation so that I basically worked between like Thanksgiving and New Year's. I worked for like 10 days <laughs> during that time. I would like plan it all out so that I could take off only 10 days and not have to do any work in that whole span. But now that i doing real estate, you just don't get paid if you don't work. So you're not really helping anyone by doing that. Yeah, yeah I work in a social contract anyways. <laughs> I work in a law firm and we have a lot of, you know, Japanese and just international clients in general. And we always get the notices around this time of year that saying they're closed from December 22nd to January 4th. And obviously we're not. So it's just 
like insult to injury why right. not only do i have to work but the people uh, that I yeah, work all of our don't. clients are literally saying yeah we're not going to be here so but you know yeah that would be nice mm-hmm. that would be nice all right so there actually has been quite a lot of baseball happening this week well not you know actual baseball but baseball adjacent stories so ryan hit us with your weekend review please Yes, so the offseason is starting to heat up a little bit. Um, we have one team that is trying very hard. We have a couple other teams that are starting to slowly make their moves as we have a ton of rumors, a couple offers, and some moves. Um, no boring baseball news because the owners kind of shut up this week and the GMs went to, for, went to work. But before we get there, 2020 keeps on ticking as Hall of Fame pitcher Phil Necro died at the age of 81 this week. The um, Padres made a big splash this week as they signed Kim Seong, the Korean infielder, sorry, excuse me, Kim Ha Seong, the Korean infielder phenom to a four-year contract. The Rays continue to be the worst model for baseball of not paying anyone and just taking advantage of cheap young guys as they trade ace Blake Snell to the Padres. The Rays did get a pretty nice prospect haulback in return though, but the Padres get an ace on an unreal team-friendly contract. The Padres were not done there as the trade just now went final. They acquired Hugh Darvish and his personal catcher, Victor Caratini, for four prospects and Zach Davies. No prospects were in the Padres' top 10 of their farm, and the Cubs are also eating some of Darvish's contract. Kind of feels like the Cubs got a little work there. Mark Fison is also reporting that the Padres are working on another trade, and that is why this trade took so long to go final, because we basically heard the entire trade the entire day. Fison saying that there's a lot of players involved and a lot of medicals, and this is the reason why the Darvish deal was slowed down today. The Phillies have made a formal offer to JT Real Muto. It is not known as of yet if other teams have made an offer. The Rangers signed Japanese right-hander Kohi Ariara to a two-year deal. Um, the Rangers signed Charlie Culbertson to a minor league deal. The Rangers, Red Sox, Blue Jays, and Padres are teams to believe to have checked in on Pirates righty Joe Musgrove, and he is expected to be the next starter traded after the Darvish deal is final. The Nationals did make a move on Christmas Eve, as Mike Rizzo always does, for he takes a nice week off for the holidays, as the Nats acquired switch hitter first baseman Josh Bell from the Pirates. Nationals sent Will Crow and Eddie Yeen to Pittsburgh. Many in industry are confused why the Pirates traded Bell when his value was at the lowest, which is a nice, refreshing take to hear instead of hearing the Nationals overpaid. We'll have more on this in a little. This Week in Review is brought to you in part by your local neighborhood Chili's. And have a happy fourth day of Kwanzaa to all those who celebrate. This is your Week in Review. All right. So let's talk Padres because there, there's a lot to unpack there. Like, we, we knew a couple years ago when they signed Machado, this was like their sign to the fans. Like, hey, we're coming. Like, this is our sign. We got a big superstar. We're a couple years away. Mm-hmm. And they're just going for it. Like they have a young pitching staff and they're going out and getting two aces. Um, we know Blake Snell's legit and he's finally going to pitch about the fifth past the fifth inning. So he's hyped. Um, if good Darvish shows up, you're looking at a rotation with in 2022 with Snell, Darvish, um, Clevenger, Paddock and Lamette. 
that's stupid. I still don't think they're better than the Dodgers right now, but they're easily a 90 win team and they're going to be a lot of fun. And they're going to be an issue in the NLS for the next probably like five to seven years, or even more, honestly, they're going for it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard to argue with that. When they picked up Machado, you were kind of like, wow, with everything else they've got going on, that seems like a big thing to take on. But it was to me like a signal of things to come. And this year they are just, they're out to, they're out to do something this year. And I, I'm excited to see it. It's nice to see somebody other than the Dodgers loaded for, loaded for bear. Yeah. And we've, you know, there's a couple of levels to this. Obviously, you know, the, the first and foremost, they are, attempting to bolster uh, uh, an already good team, which is great to see. It's like, you know, they're not just accepting what they've already produced in this shortened 2020 season. They're trying to improve upon it, which hopefully is a message for other teams uh, in baseball that they shouldn't just, you know, stand pat or even sell. They should go for it if they see an opportunity to do so. But also we see the Padres um, going out and making the smart trades. And, you know, if Blake Snell gets hurt and doesn't live up to the trade, well, that's one thing. But you know, on paper, this is a very smart trade. He's a former Cy Young winner, but also has one of the best contracts in baseball. Five, well, he had a year, but I think it's four years, $40 million left on his deal. I mean, that's an insanely good contract. And you're, they just got you Darvish now. That's he's well, towards on. the end of it. What's up? You Darvish just tweeted. If the Twitter translate is correct, he said the trade's not yet decided. That's what, what the Twitter translate said. So it's probably not yet official. But I don't know. Very interesting. So that's yeah, it. That's he some just key. tweeted that. That's interesting. Yeah, he tweeted an article and said it wasn't official. Okay. Huh? Well, if if they get you Darvish, he's towards the end of the contract, and it seems like the Cubs will eat some of that salary, which, again, is a good contract, you know, when it's all said and done, uh, I's are dotted, T's are crossed, and all, uh, all that. So, you know, they're making the responsible trades as well, even though they're giving up good prospects. But, you know, in, to tie this back into the Nets, which we'll talk about later, um, you know, those prospects, while they are highly touted and very good, they don't fit the Padres' timeline. And that's important an important thing to remember. It's like you got to look at what your realistic window is and, you know, emphasize the word realistic, not what you want your window to be, but what your realistic window is. And you need to adjust your roster accordingly. You know, there's no sense in holding on to these top prospects that aren't going to really provide you anything until after your realistic window is over. So why not trade them for someone like a Blake Snell for potentially a U Darvish and who knows who else they might, you know, go after while you can. It, it's, you know, I understand some people like prospects, but it just makes so much sense to go for it now while your window is open. It doesn't make any sense to hoard prospects just for the sake of hoarding prospects. I'll, I'll never understand it. So I'm glad to see a pod, the Padres are an organization that, you know, follow that philosophy. I don't know why people keep trading with the Padres GM because each time they lose terribly. Yeah, um, he does fleece people. Uh, he, he does a lot of sketchy things, too. There's a lot of weird things that's happened with his trades that he's, like, kind of tried to do. But it's kind of weird to think about, like, the, the Padres are going for it, right? Like Nick, you're saying they see their window and they're going for it and they're going to keep making moves. Apparently they have another trade in the works. 
it's so weird to think about because they probably have a 90 to 95 win team on paper. And that's probably 10 games worse than the Dodgers. Like, sorry, I just like, I had to bring that up again because that's so stupid to me to think about that possibly the two best teams in the National League are both in the NOS and there's about 10 games separating them. Absolutely stupid. It is crazy. And, you know, the Nats need, and we'll, we'll I'll tie this in. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but, you know, for the Padres, they're, before any before the soft season, they're a perennial second place team. Just the way the Dodgers are configured, they're a perennial second place team. And you have to ask yourself, is that good enough? You know, in these like playoff scenarios that we see like in football, it's do you control your own destiny or do you need help? And the Padres would be in that we need help category. We need someone to take down the Dodgers for us to have an, an option. Or you know, we need to put ourselves on that Dodgers level. And, you know, if you want to tie it into the Nats, the Nats need to do the same. Look at your own division. Forget about the NL West. You know, you, you, you'll you play the Dodgers to whoever else if you even get to the playoffs. But look at your division. Can you even get to the playoffs? And quite honestly, you know, right now, I think the answer is no. We just saw it in, again, a shortened 2020 season. Mm-hmm. But you have the Braves in your division who – second best team in the NL at least you know but there's arguments to be made that the the Mets the Phillies the Marlins made the playoffs last year are all better than you currently so why are you just saying we believe in the guys we have or you know why is that ever your mindset so again I'm glad to see the the Padres go for it Ryan is uh the Padres GM is still AJ Preller right I believe so yes wasn't he the same guy who uh, traded Joe Ross and Trey Turner for Steven Souza? Well, oh yeah, the um, the Trey Turner thing that wasn't like he went in and traded him. That was just a that was the player play. to be named later in that, that trade. If I remember correctly, it was twenty fourteen. No, no, no. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I just was, no, yeah, yeah. He was ahead. he was here in twenty fourteen, but yeah. So that mm-hmm. was the big flaw in the players we laid player to be named later system that they like basically changed right after that. But yeah, right. he was hired in 2014 as GM. Yeah. So that's, you know, that was just a frame of reference that trade ultimately wasn't my point. Like he definitely lost that trade, but he's made several great trades, um, you know, since then. So that's not my point, but if Game you shields for Fernando Tatis, right. <laughs> if you, if you remember here, if you take back or go back to, you know, that time, they made a ton of moves that didn't work out. Didn't they get Matt Kemp? And yeah. did they trade for James Shields? And they basically went all in, you know, after sucking for a decade or however long it was. They went all in, and it failed big time. And, you know, rather than trying to, uh, like, keep running it back, and trying to prove themselves right. They accepted their losses. They cut their losses, sold, and managed to get, like Ryan, you just said, uh, Fernando Tatis for what was a failed trade in James Shields. They got Fernando Tatis, who's now the face of their franchise. Yeah. And the same guy at the helm, A.J. Preller, back at it again, and he got it right this time. He didn't get you and know, discouraged. You can see his growth as a front office person through, mm-hmm. through what's gone on, too, that he was able to accept the, the failures and, and just move on from them instead of trying to prove that he wasn't wrong. Yeah. I love Which it. Not all we GMs love growth will on do. this podcast. Yes. Don't we just. 
All right, so let's shift gears a little bit and talk about our Nats. Um, our Nats Bat segment this week, we've got a few things to talk about. Uh, first one is the big one, which is the Christmas Eve trade for Josh Bell. Yeah, so the passing reported it. Um, as soon as I saw it, it was like Pirates trade, and I was like, oh, my God, the Nats. And I saw Wah, and I was like, the Nats. Um, <laughs> and like a couple of seconds later, Wah? I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait, who they get? So just a quick rundown on Bell. He's due six million this year, which should leave the door open to more room. You don't add someone who's only gonna make six million if you don't make more moves, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um in twenty nineteen he slashed two seventy seven, three sixty seven, five sixty nine. He had thirty seven home runs, hundred sixteen RBIs and thirty seven doubles. But the biggest question with Josh Bell is what Josh Bell shows up. Is it the one that hit 27 home runs with OPS near one in the first half of 2019 or the one that hit 18 home runs, 55 RBIs with a 720 OPS and 112 games after the 2019 All-Star break? This is the big question with Josh. I'd like option A, please. Yes. So that's why his value was what it was. Um, The Nats did not give up a lot for him. They're feeling really good about it. The benefit here is that Josh Bell is no longer going to have to be the guy. He was the only guy in the Pirates lineup. There was a weird 2020 season. You can take his stats how you in 2020 as you want. But the thought process here, and it's actually a very good move by the Nats, is you put him behind Juan Soto, you're probably going to get one, maybe two more people. He's not the guy. He can just be his normal self. He's a switch hitter power threat. It's low risk because of financial. It's high reward. And I think it's honestly, I think it's a really good move. I do too. I really, really like this trade. Um, I, you know, obviously if this is all they do, I'm not going to be happy with it as, you know, the, the sum of, of the off season, but as a move just, and it's on its own in a vacuum, I think it's terrific. They didn't give up a lot to prospects, um, you know, and obviously they always draft pitching prospects. So I feel like if there's one thing the Nats have, it's pitching prospects, but um I, I just, I really like to see this. I, I think a switch hitter is great. I think the power threat is really, really important because if you could just get, if he can, he doesn't have to be the first half of 2019 guy, but if he can be any, you know, amount of that, if he can be better than he was in 2020, which again, I'm going to use this opportunity to conveniently decide to throw out the 2020 sample because it was a weird year. But if he could just be, you know, something of what he was in that first half of 2019. And we know the talents there. Hopefully they can get him coached up and and get that swing right. So he can, he can be a threat behind Soto because if Soto's on base and that guy's hitting behind him, that's a huge improvement over what we had this past season. I think a lot uh, can be said to a player's just like situation as well. I mean, you know, that that's not a a take, but I'm talking about the mental aspect, like, Uh you know, I'm not saying this is the reason, but this absolutely could have played a, a factor into it. He was playing in Pittsburgh where games don't matter much past May. Wait, that's actually, It's hard to get yourself up for a game when you know it doesn't matter. That's actually a really good point because it is a good point. Christian Yelich said how hard it was for him playing in Miami, left, mm-hmm. became a superstar, won MVP. John Carlos Stan said the same thing, left, won in, uh, no, he won the MVP there, but he's still pretty good ever since he left. Ozuna's the only one who hasn't won MVP, but we saw Ozuna get better once he left. So that's actually a really good point. Sorry, I just wanted to interject with that. Oh, uh, I'll happily let you interject if you just talk about how great of a point I'm making. I mean, fantastic uh, point. <laughs> Way so, to go, Nick. You know, you know, definitely the Nats are a step up from the Pirates um, for Josh Bell. So I'm excited for that. And we heard the, you know, the report that Kevin Long's 
spent 20 hours watching tape of uh, Josh Bell, you know, which is great, but Kevin Long was also fired and rehired this offseason. So, you know, some something to think about. <laughs> but so for uh, what that's worth. Yeah, but I, I'm definitely excited. And I think the point that is, you know, super important is his age. He's young. Mm-hmm. You know, the financial. 28. Yeah, the, the financial aspect it's matters a, baby a lot. on this team. Yeah, the financial aspect matters a lot, obviously, just because uh, we're a little bit capped uh, this offseason compared to, you know, even next offseason, what, what it'll be like. Um, but his age, we've been struggling to get younger for years and years and years now. We've just seen our, you know, median age of this team go up and up and up. And, yeah, we won a World Series two years ago. But, again, those old players are two years older now. So getting an infusion of youth, and, you know, he's not Juan Soto young, but like Ryan said, he's 28 in the middle of his prime. And you're and also we, – We've seen, you know, a good season or a good half season there, so we know the potential's there. So I'm excited. Yeah, and you're, you're also replacing what was Eric Thames, who's a disaster, and then a majority platoon of Estrubo Cabrera – and um, it, was, it wasn't Howie. Um, I know. I guess Howie did play first a little bit last year until he got hurt. But basically, first base was a black hole last year. Yeah, god awful. And you replace it with someone who has thirty plus home run power potential in a lineup that desperately needs pop, and they still need pop. Um, yeah. And before we get there, and our next point is, I have all of Rizzo's quotes, so I'm kind of just gonna run through them. Yeah, go for it. Rizzo's press conference, Josh Bell was very, very interesting. He contradicted himself probably about 900 times. He's so dead. <laughs> um, so I have a lot of his quotes here. Sorry, uh, Finn is walking with his stuffed animal, and he just jumped on my keyboard. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> so when he first spoke at his State of the Nationals press conference, he made it clear that he wanted multiple bats. He put a big emphasis on the S. So you're like, all right, they get Bell $6 million. Um, So Rizzo said, Josh is a big acquisition for us. He's the main middle of the lineup bat that we're looking for. Again, we still have options in the trade avenues and in the free agent avenues. We're going to continue to be aggressive and try to put together a championship caliber club. You're like, all right, they're going to keep looking. They add some for $6 million. They're going to go get that left fielder. He goes on to say that Bell is the most important piece that they will acquire this offseason. That kind of contradicts that because there's some pretty good outfielders out there who are all better than Bell. So how that be more important? And then um, he said that they're not operating under a tightened budget. There's been a lot of conversation about the budget. He says they're not operating under a tightened budget. Again, you add someone for $6 million, you do that because you're expecting to sign someone who's going to have a big AAV. And then he says, the acquisition of Josh Bell isn't going to pro- prohibit us from looking for a good right-handed hitter that either comes off the bench or plays multiple positions or something like that. We have not ruled out a Zen reunion. That skill set still fits our roster. First of all, you cannot talk about Zen right after saying you're going to look for a good right-handed bat. That's Also, who plays multiple positions. Like These things do not <laughs> track with each other. Um, he also declined to answer when asked about left field. So to sum it up, he says they don't have a tight budget. They're going to be aggressive, but Josh Bell is the most important person that they're going to get. Basically, they're middle of the order bat, and they're also going to bring back Ryan Zimmerman. A lot of that's contradicting. I know Rizzo's kind of like this guy who's like, I'm going to play chess while everyone else is playing checkers in my interviews, but there's a lot of stuff all over the place, and now 
when I saw the trade, I was like, oh, they're definitely going to get Brantley, Ozuna, or even Real Muto. And now I'm like, what 37-year-old are they going to sign to hit behind? <laughs> I, know. I, I really don't know what to expect. <laughs> yeah, when, I'm, uh, uh, I'm kind of feeling like it's Brantley. I don't know why I keep thinking they're going to oh, pull Brantley. Brantley. Yeah, I would too. I just, I keep thinking if they're going to sign another bat, that it's going to be Brantley. I don't think they're going to splash with Real Muto or Springer at this point. I think Brantley is a realistic target. I think he's, you know, I, I would be happy with Brantley. Um, but I also think he kind of just fits what the Nets historically have looked for. Just kind of that safer option. Um, you know, if they tend to take a risk, it's usually on a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen that with drafts. <laughs> like yep. if, the, if the pitcher doesn't have an injury history, we tend to steer clear. Um but, you know, for position players, we don't historically spend big on them, at least not in free agency. And, you know, we tend to go safer. So, like, we, we like to know what we're going to get. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Because no matter what you do or research or expect, um, you know, the back of the baseball card doesn't always stay the same from year to year. Uh, so... I think Brantley fits as well, but with this, as soon as the the trade happened, you know, Ryan and I were talking about it, and my initial reaction was, I love the move, but it doesn't make sense as a standalone. It just no. doesn't. Exactly. You need more, and you know, I. Don't well, what do you want... think about Bryant now that obviously the Cubs look like they're about to blow everything up? Like you've got to be inquiring again about well, Bryant. Right well, I've now, always right? been, yeah, I've always been high on Bryant. You know, even if we didn't have Bell, I would still want Bryant. Because I think that that move makes more sense as a standalone than Josh Bell would. Um, but if you get both, obviously, that's great. But, mm-hmm. you know, like Ryan said, he made a lot of contradictory s- remarks during mm-hmm. that, that press, do- press conference or, you know, address, whatever it was. Um, and, you know, some of that you can attribute to, well, maybe he's saying some of these stuff so that way the prices stay low because if people know the Nats are in, well, that might create a bidding war, especially like, you know, someone like Scott Boris who loves to drive the price up. Yes, he um, does. And so, you know, maybe you can attribute it a little bit to that or maybe they just have a really high evaluation of Josh Bell and they value value him higher than, you know, someone like a Marcelo Zuna, which can, you know, one can dream. <laughs> but um, I have, this has inspired a little bit of faith so, you know, I will extend credit where credit is due. And this is a great trade and something we haven't seen in a while. It feels like forever since we've it seen a move. It does, like doesn't it? Like, it feels like it's yeah. been a while since we've seen yeah. a really good Rizzo pull off an unexpected trade. Although right, we just so. talked about on the last episode, like the Christmas Eve unexpected trade from Rizzo. And that's what we got. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, I extend credit where credit is due. But I'm really, really hoping this isn't it. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it cannot be it. And you talk it about can't. Bryant. I would make that phone call to the Cubs because I feel like the Cubs are kind of salary dumping. But yeah. the problem is Bryant is exactly the same as Josh Bell. He's the good player who's coming off a very concerning year, and you're hoping he bounces back. I feel like you can't add two of those players in the same offseason. So that's they a have fine to point. Get, they have to get someone who's proven. And if that's Michael Brantley, that's great. Michael Brantley is proven. The man just hits. But the Nationals lineup sucks. It still sucks with Josh Bell. 
They have three. Sucks good, a little less, but it's not good it enough. It sucks a lot still. They have three good hitters right now, and everyone else is a massive question mark or bad. And we talked about how the Padres went all in, and they got about a 90 to 95 win team, and they're 10 games behind the Dodgers. The Nats are about a 75 to an 80 win team right now, and they're about 15, maybe even a little bit more games worse than the Braves. And that's as of right now. And that doesn't include with if all these rumors about the uh, the Mets happen, they're about 10 games worse than the Mets. So you're looking at it, you're quite a big difference from the top two teams in division. And if you truly want to build a championship caliber team, you have to get someone else to go behind Josh Bell or it's all for naught. And do you think Michael Brantley could be good enough to close that gap with the Braves and the Mets? Or do you think it's going to take somebody like an Ozuna or a Real Muto or Springer or somebody who's a bigger bat and a bigger salary commitment? I would take Michael Brantley over Ozuna if Springer's not happening. And if you can get Real Muto, that's great because those are top two. I would take Michael Brantley over Ozuna. But then you also have to find a number four and you also have to find a great left-handed reliever in order to have your roster complete to be able to compete with those two teams. Because this roster is rags and it's riches. They have a lot of great players, but they also have a lot of players who shouldn't be on MLB rosters, but they have no depth. So they have to rely on heavily. And a lot of that is just because they were selling, 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 selling just to like win a World Series. So now they're kind of in the bad spot. So they got to figure something out. There's a lot of lot of holes left. They start off great with a cheap Josh Bell. You need more if you really want to have a championship caliber team. And that's the question that comes to me is you mentioned all the contradictory remarks. Like if there's really not a budget and they actually want to field the championship team and that's not just lip service, then obviously they've got to make some bigger moves. I would still love to see Springer. That's feeling pretty out of the question at this point, but I guess I, I'm I, I'm feeling like you said a left-handed reliever. Is Brad Hand still out there? He didn't sign yeah, anywhere yet, did he? Yeah, like that would be a great move. I, I'd love to see them make. Um, they don't historically spend a lot on relief pitching, but I think that would be a huge move. They've got to have – they've got to do something. Remember when we interviewed Britt Giroli and we asked her, are they done looking at left-handed relievers? And she said, God, I hope not. And uh, I really hope not to, because that's another glaring hole and they've got to get another starter. I mean, they just have so many things that they have to do. And one of the reasons I like this Josh Bell trade so much is how inexpensive it is. But they've, they've really got to figure out, maybe they're not telling us there's a budget, but there's got to be one. And whatever it is, they need a big bat and they need a lefty reliever and they need another starter. And that's a lot to yeah. deal with. Um, and I, so one point I want to make, and going back to the Padres, uh, you know, flurry of moves. Honestly, my favorite or the move I respect the most was the addition of Ryan. What was the Japanese shortstop? Kim or Korean Korean shortstop? Um, it was Kim Hasia. Okay, yeah, the addition of him because we know we from what we've seen, he has a lot of pop. But if you think about the Padres, their left side of the infield is completely locked down. I mean, Tatis at shortstop. Machado at third. So you look at it and you go, well, why would the Padres do that? You know, they clearly have other areas of need, which, you know, we've seen them address with Snell and now it's looking like Darvish as well. Um, And I understand that's a different situation from the Nats. The Nats have way more holes on their roster than the Padres did, but we haven't seen those types of moves in a long time. The only one I can really think of was the Max Scherzer 
signing. And I mean, look how great that turned out. But I'm talking about, you know, the moves where you're just adding depth, where you're, you know, for lack of a better term, creating a good problem to have. Like you, yeah. you don't know who to play because you have so many good options. You know, the Nats have almost been playing from behind ever since the Max Scherzer trade. It's been, oh, we need a second baseman, Daniel Murphy, which turned out great. But, you know, you're just, uh, you know, a hole pops up and you're trying to band-aid it, band-aid it. And next thing you know, you're like way behind on everything. That's kind of what we see with this roster. So what I would like to see going forward is just make the moves as they come up. You know, even if, you know, if we have the opportunity to trade for, uh, well, we have so many holes. It doesn't really apply. I know. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, if we have the opportunity to trade for someone, like trade for a starter, I guess, you know, if we have the opportunity to trade for a controllable starter, like, and it's not too expensive, like, why not do it? Just, you have Max Scherzer coming off the books next year. Who knows if he's going to come back? You know, you have Steven Strasburg dealing with an injury, you know, even though at your team's best, it's reliant upon your big three starters. It's not doing any harm to have a fourth reliable starter there. So yeah, I, know, couldn't agree I, I would with like that the Nats, more. I would like the Nats to do a little bit more of that, not keep playing catch up because, you know, when you're playing catch up, you know, it is possible to, to fill all those holes. But then one, as soon as one person goes down, you're screwed all over again. And does, do either of you share my existential dread about Steven Strasburg coming into the season? Like it is cricket. I'm scared. Like, we aren't hearing anything about his recovery. Yeah. I'm and I, I am scared because he, he didn't play last year. I mean, he hadn't missed the whole season, even with all the extra time after the, the world series until the, you know, the season starting so late and he couldn't go and couldn't go tried once, couldn't do it. And we've heard absolutely nothing since then, which strikes me for even the tight lipped Nats about injuries. This is weird. I, you know, when you, you don't even hear any of the reporters, like the, the pe- people who cover the Nats beat reporting rumors, like there's nothing. And I am terrified. Mm-hmm. So because if he's not just, right, then what do we have? I mean, we've got two starters. I mean, Max, I love Max. He's one of my all-time favorite baseball players, but he's older. I don't know what we're going to get from him. He had a decent but not Max-like season last year. And, you know, all the caveats apply, 2020, no time to ramp up, blah, 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 blah. But who the hell knows what we're going to get out of Max coming into this. And if Strasburg's not right and Max isn't himself, I mean, all of this yeah, tweaking the rest of the point. roster doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, but, well, they matter. need a starter. They need a starter. At, the, at who's... the very least, at the very least, they would be going for it, which is more than we can say for the past year and a half. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, the people keep saying they need a fourth or fifth starter, which is certainly true. But I'd like to see them get a guy who could be a, a second or a third on a, on a team that didn't already have a big three. So that if there's a problem with Strasser or Scherzer, that you've got a guy who's, you know, maybe not them, but who's a, a passable replacement. Because I, I have grave questions about the rotation going into this year. Yeah. So we'll see. But I, I you know, like Rizzo said, the immediate concern is the lineup. Like your pitching rotation can be dominant, but if you're not putting up runs, it's not really going to matter. So, um, you know, as Josh Bell's trade is great, but we need more and we need real bats, not whatever bats, you know, are in Rizzo's eyes. 
Right. The, the 37 year old. Yeah. Veteran. As Drupal Cabrera, right. Ryan Zimmerman of the world. It sounds like qualified. Zim's coming back though. I'm fine with it, but. Me too. Because he'll probably more, play for like 12 bucks and a hot dog. So. Right. Yeah. I'm more accepting of it now that we have Josh Bell. If we didn't have Josh Bell, I'd be like, ooh, no. But yeah, I, now that we have I Josh Bell. Me, I love Zim. I don't want to see him at first base every day. So. Yep. Not that there's any danger of that. Mm-hmm. All right. So one more thing I feel like we have to touch on before we get out of our nat spat is Howie Kendrick. We mentioned him briefly earlier, but he has decided oh, yeah. to call it a career. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, it's a thing. They had a really uh, yeah. nice tribute. Uh, you know, it's hard to see him go. It's it's one of those things when your team wins a wins a championship, it's kind of like always a little bittersweet to see the pieces depart, whether it's to another team or to retirement or whatever. But this one hurts a little bit. This one hurts a little bit. Kendrick wasn't with the Nats for a really long time, but you know some of the most memorable moments in Nats history belong to him, and it's it's a little bittersweet to see him go. Yeah, this one. Uh, yeah, I felt it. Yeah, and I, I think I talked about this with you guys before. It's like I'm not usually all that uh, caring about people departing the Nats. I can't think. Yeah, I mean, obviously Bryce was a little bit, Bryce and Rendon are a little bit of a different situation, but Howie was never that guy for the Nats. Mm-mm. You know, as... Late in uh, his career. Right, yeah, his role on the team was never what Rendon's and Bryce's were. So, like, why would you care? But, again, you know, the the reason speaks for itself. The What he meant to that run, and for me personally, being there... Yeah, at that Dodgers game. Yeah, it's just that's got to have been maybe one of the best moments you'll ever witness live. Right. It it just became. Yeah, it became like so surreal all over again. Like the guy that you know really single handedly won us a a title for you know all intents and purposes is now retiring, calling it quits. Uh, You know, it, it is surreal. And we haven't felt that with the Nats. We felt it with the Caps a little bit, but we mm-hmm. haven't felt it with the Nats yet, even though some of those 2019 championship pieces aren't on the team anymore. Um, so, you know, how he's definitely going to be missed. Uh, I don't blame him for the decision. Um, mm-hmm. I also think it's kind of the right decision because you don't want, I never wanted to see the Howie that sucked, that became a liability. You know, I want, I want you know, that's memories. a really great point is, you know, there's like, I, I don't want to see how we pull like a Jason Worth and go play for the Mariners minor league right. system or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like seeing him go out with class and go out on top. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously 2020 wasn't a great year, but to me, 2020, you know, we've had that argument ad nauseum about how much does it count or whatever. But to me, in retrospect, it's, it's just an aberration. And 2019 is the way I'm going to remember Howie Kendrick. Yeah, 2020 was almost an extension of 2019 uh, in some ways, but it it was also really cool, and I'm not used to this because, you know, Rendon wasn't much of a talker. It wasn't much of a personality, Mm -hmm. and Bryce was so polarizing that we've never really experienced this, but seeing all the warm messages from across the league, not even just from, you know, the Nats bubble – but just saying, supporting Howie Kendrick, we saw all the Angels, the Dodgers, his past teams, you know, congratulate him and all this stuff. It's just really cool to see a guy like that, you know, just uh, a positive presence in every uh, organization that he's come across uh, be so, you know, 
uh, regarded across the league. So it was really cool. And it was, it was a nice moment and I wish him the best of luck in his next uh, career. Yep. Whatever that is. Ryan. No, I mean, I think you guys touched up on it. Like, like you said, I don't care when players leave. Um, sports are a business. Everyone has a price and everyone has a time when it's time to leave. Um, but it was different with Howie. Howie, you know, he has the two biggest hits in franchise history and always will. Um, he was an NLCS MVP. The man just hit. He was always great in his lineup. He was a great guy, nicest guy in the world. Um, I always make fun of Nats fans for saying that, but Howie was just a great guy. Um, great on the field. It's impossible not to like that guy. I know. He was just fantastic. He's someone who actually belongs in the Nationals Ring of Honor, unlike that scrub who's up there now. <laughs> um, I honestly did not expect Howie to play this year. I didn't think he was going to play last year. To me, his last game will always be Game 7 of the World Series, and that's how he went out. Yep. That's what I said. I, I'm just dismissing 2020 in its entirety, and I'm going to remember I'm going to remember NLCS, MVP, and World Series hero. <laughs> that's that's the way I'm choosing it. He uh, wasn't with the Nats for a long time, but leaves an incredible, indelible mark on the franchise. And good luck to him, and uh, hopefully we can have some some new blood get onto the team as these players depart and, and kind of create a new era, because I feel like, like you mentioned a little while ago, you know, Scherzer's only got one year left on the books. I don't expect we're going to see an extension maybe if he wants like a one or two year i guess and he's willing to do it cheap maybe the nats would do it but it the, we talked about this a lot the times they are changing like the nats are changing and uh this one just feels like a big piece of that mm-hmm. yep 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 all right so let's move on uh, before we do our manscaped poll of the week nick would you like to remind our listeners about our uh being brought to them by manscaped absolutely fellas got to talk to you one more time again and you know it's it's for your benefit we we've talked about this for the last couple weeks and i'm here to remind you again you're in that post holiday or i guess in between holidays right now coming down from the christmas high you still got new year's but this new year's isn't you know the the typical new year's i understand Right. But we still got to take care of ourselves. And that includes, you know, grooming, keeping things nice and tidy, nice and tight. Manscaped's got you covered. All right. We've talked a little bit about the Lawnmower 3.0. Phenomenal. I want to move on to some of the other Manscaped products because they they aren't just a one trick pony. They are a well-rounded, eclectic brand that has got you covered. Maybe you like going all natural. That's perfectly fine. Hey, to each his own. But Manscaped has products to help you out. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Crop Preserver. Exactly what it sounds like. It is ball deodorant, fellas. You don't know how badly you need some ball deodorant until you wear some ball deodorant. Super easy to use, you know. Take a shower, you know, do everything like normal. Throw in that ball deodorant, you're good. Just like normal deodorant, right? But my fellas know. No matter what you do, whether you're active, you're just sitting around, things can get, you know, a little little bit funky down there just, you know, throughout the course of the day. Crop Preserver's got you covered. It is game-changing, for real. I can't express it enough. You know, you don't know what you're missing until you realize what it adds to 
your life. Game changing. Can't recommend it enough. Also, you know, just go out, go all out, treat yourself. Tell, tell your wife, tell your significant other that Nick from Half Street High Heat is telling you to treat yourself. Go buy, you know, the full package. And rather than the normal $100, Half Street High Heat's got you covered. Use promo code HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping. Works on everything across the site. No exclusions. Manscaped is awesome. Half Street High Heat is awesome. We've got you covered. Treat yourself with some ball deodorant and a lawnmower 3.0. You will not regret it. Promo code HSHH20 today. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Manscaped, it's time for our Manscaped poll of the week. Um, We've been doing, sorry, um, we've been doing top four players at each position. Outfielders kind of jump around. It's kind of complicated to get who plays where, who's a left fielder, who's a right fielder. So instead, this week, we're going to do our top 10 outfielders to wrap up the outfielders um, instead of the top four. So I have my generator up. I did it a little bit earlier. So our list is going to be me. I will go first with my top 10. And then Nicholas, he'll go second with his top 10. And Amanda will round out the top 10 as well. So yeah. So let's do this. Let's do this. Started off king. So I was thinking about a lot of ways to go this, right? No, I was just thinking about it, and I was like, ah. to go number 10, I'm going to go Austin Meadows. Um, he's honestly incredibly underrated when you look at his numbers. He put up a fantastic 2019. Um, I'm pulling his numbers up right now because I believe he had 32 home runs. I'll see if I'm double. Oh, was 33. Dang, I was close. Put 33 home runs with a 922 OPS. Um, and then he only played 36 games last year, so he's a little bit of a down, but that's okay because he's my number 10 outfielder. Number nine, I have Bryce Harper. We all know about Bryce Harper. Um, he's putting up 30-plus home runs and 100-plus RBIs. And Philly, he's still top 10 outfielder in the league. You probably put him higher. People probably have him lower because people hate him. He put up five war in Philly. He's just top 10, um, so I have a number nine. Number eight, I have Christian Yelich. Um, again, a couple years ago, he's probably a lot higher than that, but came off his injury and he struggled mightily. So that's why I have him at number eight. And then coming in at number seven, I have George Springer. Um, he's probably the second or third best center fielder, but right field is so freaking stacked that basically everything above, above him is essentially a right fielder. Um, so I have George Springer at seven. Again, fantastic. He's one of the only Astros players who didn't really struggle when they stopped cheating, allegedly. Um, His numbers were fantastic last year, which is why I still want him to this day. And then coming at number six, I have Cody Bellinger. I do think Cody Bellinger is overrated. Um, If you take away his first, like he had like 400 in the first half and then basically 200 in the second half, his OPS was still over one. You can't deny that. He's young as hell and he has immense potential. And he's going to be a perennial all-star. He's going to probably win another couple of MVPs. But I do think he's underrated. He's young and plays for a Dodger, so he gets hyped. But, again, you can't deny talent. And then, number five, I have Aaron Judge. Someone I could probably put higher if he's healthier. Um, in 100 games, two years ago, he put up a 6.3 war in just 100 games. Absolutely stupid. 
Aaron Judge is a top 10 player in baseball when he's healthy. The only downside is he's six foot 13, so he's never healthy because mm-hmm. tall people <laughs> don't fare well in sports. But Aaron Judge is unreal. And then number four, I have Ronald Acuna. Again, had a 40 40 season. Um, I don't really say much. Yeah, for those 40, like 40 home runs, 38 stolen bases. Um, I don't, I don't have to say anything. We see him 19 times a year. We know how annoying he is to go up against. He's absolutely fantastic. He's a true five-tool player, but Juan Soto's better. I'm better offensively. So I got Juan Soto at number three. Again, don't really have to say much about Juan Soto. We all know Juan Soto. We know how great he is, how special he is. He's my third best outfielder. Number two, I have Mookie Betts, who is the second best player in baseball, who single-handedly got the Dodgers to the World Series with his defense, making unreal catches. And he also just makes unreal plays at the plate. Um, He had like a 12 war when he won MVP. Or what was it, Nick? What was his war when he won MVP? We talked about this last Uh, time. Uh, Mookie Betts was like, it's like 11.9. It was yeah. insane. Unreal. Um, the only reason why he's not pro- number one is because the number one player in baseball because Mike Trout exists. Mike Trout, yeah. <laughs> the best two players in baseball are outfielders. So that rounds out my top 10. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to go in inverse order because my top three are the same. Um, number one, Mike Trout. Not much you need to say about that. Uh, still the greatest player in baseball. It's um, not close. pretty impressive that he's been able to sustain this for as long as he has. People forget he won his first MVP in 2014, mm-hmm. and it's we're going on 2021 now. Uh, yeah. 2020 in this wacky season was the first time he wasn't a top three MVP finisher. Like that's how good. Which I almost think been. it was only because of you know, fatigue he, of having missed, him be at he, the top, not because. No, he well, he also missed a couple games too, because of the birth of his kid. He, and like COVID protocols yeah. with that, he missed like 10 games. So yeah. in a 60 game sample, that that's a lot. So I get it, but it's not like his numbers were bad. So he's going to go. If that, if it's even possible, he's going to go into 2021 as an underrated player, which is just insane for the best. Which is insane. Yeah. Number two, Mookie Betts, uh, my favorite player, not on the Nats. Uh, phenomenal. Uh, he was on full display under the bright lights in the World Series. Um, defense, offense, leadoff guy, which with someone with 40 home run pop, you wouldn't expect. Um, but, but it he works. can just do it all. And, you know, he it's the second time in his career he's stole a base, stole a taco. Um, so, you know, he's blessed the world not once but twice with free tacos from Taco Bell. Um, so if Mike Trout didn't Most exist, importantly. Yeah, if Mike Trout didn't exist, Moogie Betts would be number one. Uh, number three, I do have Juan Soto with Ryan. Um, again, not much I need to say. His defense could be better, but his offense is just that good. Straight up. Like, he's one of, if not even the best offensive player in baseball. Um, again, not name Mike Trout, but Juan Soto, unreal. Okay. So number four is really where it kind of starts to differentiate for me. Um, I have a lot of the same guys as Ryan, but in a kind of vastly different order. Number four, I still have Christian Yelich. I'm throwing out um, 2020 just because it kind of fits my argument. We talked about that last week. You know, use 2020 when it's helpful, otherwise disregard it. Exactly. I'm doing that right here. Uh, I still believe in Christian Yelich. Uh, he was putting up no joke, Barry Bonds like numbers for the better part of two seasons prior to his injury. 
I completely acknowledge that his injury might have might impact him going forward, but I will wait to see that before I, you know, uh, penalize him too much. So I still have Christian Yelich, number four, former MVP. Uh, number five, I'm going um, under the assumption that he's healthy, which he very rarely is, and that's Aaron Judge. Uh, you know, we, we all know the power, but what goes underrated is his defense. Um, his defense is actually pretty solid. And, you know, defensive metrics are what they are, but he has a plus arm. He moves well and, you know, good glove. So that plus the 50, 60 home run pop capabilities that he has, amazing. It's just a matter of staying healthy. Uh, number six for me, I have Cody Bellinger. I think he is going to be similar to Bryce in that he starts because of the hype that surrounded him when he entered or when he came onto the scene. Um, he was naturally overrated, but through consistent output, he will naturally become like he is what he is. He'll settle into just a, a solid player. Um, and he's a gold glover too, which you can't really say for most of the guys on this list. And his offense is pretty damn good. He goes through waves, but a lot of guys do. Usually the final output is pretty solid though. And he's always going to be, you know, uh, a guy with pop. Uh, number what, seven for me, I have Ronald Acuna. Um, you know, he, like Ryan had him fourth. I can easily see him fourth. I'm just waiting for more of a sample size um, because we saw the 40-40 season, which, again, not many people on this list can do, but it was kind of a disappointing follow-up to that campaign. Again, 2020, it is what it is. I just want to see more, um, but I can fully appreciate that he might be higher than where I have him. And all these guys, you know, four through eight are really interchangeable anyways. Uh, number eight, I have Bryce Harper. Uh, I think he's solid. He's at the point where he's underrated now. It It is what it is. He's going to be always one of the best players in baseball, whether people want to admit it or not. It's, it, it is what it is, and I'll leave it at that. Number nine, George Springer, um, a top center fielder in baseball. Like Ryan said, that's a big reason why I still want him. Um, satisfies a big need, and he, you know, he still does it at the plate too, despite – like Ryan said, the lack of cheating now. Um, he has proven to be cheat-proof, if that's a thing. Um, so I would still like him. And number 10, there's a bunch of different guys that you can insert here. It's really a toss-up. Uh, I like the Austin Meadows pick. I consider him more of a DH. So I'm going to save him for the DH uh, when we get there. Um, but I was thinking about guys like Charlie Blackman, um, I was thinking about guys like Starlin Marte, but I'm just going to put Marcelo Zuna just because of recency bias. That's kind of the tiebreaker. Uh, a lot of pop, horrible defensively, but again, a lot of corner outfielders are. Um, it's usually one or the other, and the guys that can do both are pretty much top 10 guys like we see on this list. So that rounds out my top 10. All right. Well, my... The th one through nine are the same guys, just in a different order. Um, I think I've got the same top three as you, Nick, and the same top four as Ryan. So Trout is, you know, you don't have to say anything, and you guys have said it already. He's, you know, three-time MVP, eight-time Silver Slugger, eight-time All-Star. I mean, it's just you can't 
say enough things about Mike Trout. He's just the best player in baseball. And certainly if you narrow it down to outfielders, there's no question. Uh, Mookie Betts is number two. Um, he said, if it weren't for Mike Trout, this would be an easy number one. I, I think as the years go by, he may even overtake Mike Trout. If he can keep it up, he's, uh, he's just unbelievable. And I don't believe that the Dodgers win that World Series last year without him. Uh, number three, I've got Juan Soto, who, I mean, we watch the kid play every time he plays. He's freaking amazing. Um, I think he's got a higher ceiling with the defense. I think he's still got time to learn. I mean, we know what he does at the plate, and his defense isn't amazing, but I think it can get better. Um, Acuna, I have number four. Um, I I don't know. I'm higher on him maybe than you are, Nick. Um, I, did you have him at seven? Yeah, but it's a you very, can move those very guys tight, around. Yeah. yeah, it's a very tight gap. But I know yeah. I'm going to get you know ruined a little bit because people see seven and freak out. Yeah, because people won't listen. They'll just look at the list. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, Acuna is pretty amazing. Said a little bit of a down year, but so many guys did that. I I don't know. I I think he's he's really far up there, top five guy. Um, Yelich, I have at number five. I have great faith that he's going to he's going to come back from the injury. Um, I think probably really hard to go out the way it, you know, the way it happened in 2019 and to miss that uh, wild card game and have the team not advance uh, essentially because Christian Yelich was injured and wasn't the one standing out there in right field that night <laughs> when Soto got yeah. that hit. But um, you know, he didn't really have a real season to come back and then not the kind of interaction with the training staff and all of that, that you, that you would have gotten in a normal year. So I think we're going to see him round back into form. Um, so I've got him number five, uh, six, I've got Ballinger. I really like the comparison you made with Ballinger and Harper, um, both guys who are excellent players, but maybe not, they didn't live up to the hype because it, I don't think was possible to live up to the hype. Um, for those guys, it was just so much, but I've got Harper a little lower down the list, but I do think you're right. There are guys who are going to be top 10 players and people are going to bag on them because they're not what they thought they were going to be, but they're just going to be solid, fantastic players probably for the bulk of their careers um i've got aaron judge seven um i do think if healthy i know you made that caveat nick if healthy he'd be higher uh, but I, I just don't see him staying healthy he just never is and i think he's going to be one of those guys that 20 years from now when people ask you who's a career that you think could have been so much more if it hadn't been for the injuries and judge is going to be right on that list i just i can't see him staying healthy he's amazing when he's healthy but i don't think he will be uh, number eight, I've got George Springer, um, just really great hitter, um, you know, can do it in the outfield, can do it at the plate. I, I think he belongs in the top 10 and I, I could have put him in several spots here, but at this point in the list, you just kind of stick people in there and um, I don't know. And you could move these guys around on the list. I've got nine. Um, I've got Harper who I just touched on when I talked about Ballinger. He's just you know, like it's crazy to think he was so overrated for such a long time, and now he's maybe underrated because he's not. Maybe the amount of money that he got for that contract makes people expect more from him than they're going to get. And then last for number ten, I really struggled with this because I'm kind of, I I I put four people here. I put Marte, Chris Bryant, Jeff McNeil, and Austin Meadows, but I think. Any of them could fill that that tenth spot. You've got a lot of guys who are kind of right on the edge of that. But I think one through nine, we all pretty much had the same guys. I need you to pick a tenth though for uh, voting purposes. Um, Chris Bryant. Uh, that doesn't. He's a third baseman. 
Okay, well, he plays outfield sometimes. Yeah, but he plays like 95%. All right, base. Jeff McNeil. Uh, does that one count? Jeff McNeil plays at his... like 30%. I know. Well, position. let me look at his appearances. Hold on. He's got 2018, 2019, 2020. He's got 123 outfield appearances. 103 at second base, 44 at third base, 99 in left field, 46 in right field. He's played more outfield than infield. I'll allow it. Yeah, that, that's if it was 50-50 or above, I was going to let it play. So, all right, Jeff McNeil. Um, a little bit of clerical stuff. So Ryan kindly pointed out to me that I had my numbers backwards when talking about Ronald Acuna. So I thought... In, all right, so in 2019, he had an 883 OPS, and 2020, in 46 games, he had a 987 OPS. <clears throat> I thought those numbers were switched. I thought he had a 987 oh, in see. 2019, and it dropped uh, 100 points in 2020, granted a, a much smaller sample size, but I was wrong. So I, I want to adjust my list, and I'm bumping Acuna up to fifth behind Yelich and in front of Judge. Um, gotcha. But again, even still, all those players are perfectly interchangeable. Yeah, that's kind of, I feel like everything six to ten is kind of interchangeable almost. Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll write those down. We'll put those out as our Manscaped poll of the week for you guys to vote on. I think congratulations are in order um, for what you may ask. Uh, I won the Christmas song draft. So, you know. Let's go. Another victory for Nick and I. Another victory for the DC I don't get this thing that you guys do this where you think that you both won if one of you won. I don't really. We're stronger in numbers. Ever heard of it? Come on. You know how in Planet of the Apes when Caesar is like, ape, together, strong. That's Nick. Yeah. That's, wow. Very nicely done. I have to say that I really believe that your strategy of pandering with songs that you know will be popular even though they're not the best songs definitely it's working, worked right? out for you well, yeah I it's just, definitely working out for you i texted nick to help him because he was going to get whooped if he had acuna seventh so nick's back in this game for this poll i yeah, see no i see i was already on that the fence about it, it as it is you. yeah yeah i was on the fence about it as is but it, it was nice to know that i was it was i'm nice, not really sure once, it's fair it nice to, to, to take help and and to uh and to get corrected midstream well, change it, help? but we'll, we'll allow who it who wants to be a millionaire you can phone a friend i decide to phone a friend. <laughs> is this who wants to be a millionaire here's uh, my the stakes, line. the stakes aren't nearly as high so yes it is <laughs> yes all right well let's finish up tonight with our one big thing who wants to go first um, i'll go first uh and just to kind of put a bow on this the howie kendrick stuff um you know, there is a place for that in baseball. And what I mean by that is I know Ryan to be this way as well. It's baseball is very much a business, but it's nice to see when organizations and uh, just the, I guess, higher ups give recognition and respect to the players and the players that deserve it just like the nice gestures you see across the league. But, um, you know, I, I'll always accuse Nats fans of becoming too emotionally attached. And I get, you know, some fans like players more than others. And that's always going to be a thing. But it's just, it, it feels good to, like, 
be on their side for once because it's actually warranted and it's not just a guy who happened to be here for two years and people liked his his nickname or something like this one was actually warranted and it's good to see you know a good guy get his due have a great career go out on his own terms not due to injury or poor performance or anything like that um so that's kind of one of the forgotten parts of sports in general uh we're you know and I'm guilty of it. We're always so quick to move on and find the next best thing that you kind of get ahead of yourselves and, and rush past, uh, you know, the players that definitely have earned their their space in the game. Um, so, again, wish Howie Kendrick the best uh, of luck in his next career and a happy retirement and hope um, he's back with the Nats in some capacity uh, in the future because we will definitely welcome him Do you think he gets back. into the ring of fame? I mean, Grant, like based on who's there now, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, but, I think that regardless of tenure with the team, I mean, when you have so many of the big moments, like I, I don't know. I feel like who's who's done more. I mean, who, I don't know. I think he deserves it. it. It wasn't it wasn't about tenure. It was about what he accomplished while he was here. And the Nats don't mm-hmm. win that World Series without that Grand Slam. In either one. Yeah, I mean, they they oh, maybe who well, knows? I guess there was only one, but well, home run. Yeah, but that grand slam to advance past the Dodgers that I mean, we don't even get to the NLCS where he's the MVP and and then mm-hmm. we don't get that moment in game seven that mm-hmm. will I, I I seriously still to this day. I can't watch the clip of that without tearing up when that ball hits. It's the pole. I literally tear up every time I watch it. It's ridiculous. Like that moment was when I thought to myself, oh, my God, like they're really going to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is really happening. Yeah, fun, I don't know. Fun fact, I have never uh, gone and rewatched Game 5 uh, of the NLDS. You don't I, wanna I want to remember it anyway, but the way you experienced it? Right. I just want it to be pure in the way it is. I and love that. I, that's awesome. I have Howie Kendrick to thank for that, and that's the way I'm going to remember him. And I'll tell you, I think yeah. I thought of you the moment that I saw that sail over the wall. I was like, oh, my God, Nick is there right now. <laughs> It must be the most insane thing right now to be there. I was so jealous. Yep. Yeah. But I like it that you don't watch it. That's cool because then your memories of it won't be anything but your memories of it. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Well, that's a good one big thing. Good luck to Howie Kendrick. Ryan, what you got? Um, I'm not really sure if I have one this week. Just I just hope to know. about one tiny this. thing? One tiny thing? Um. HBO Max is pretty good. <laughs> um, All right, the that office, is dying. The Office leaving repetitive. Netflix. Well, that's actually ma- massive. The Office leaving Netflix is really bad. Um, that's yeah. That's take on a while. December thirty first. Yeah, I, I may have to call out um, of this pod for next week because that's that's going to be hard for me. But yeah, no, I don't really have one this week. Well, I'm going to I'm going to take my one big thing back to hockey again, like I did last week. Um, We didn't touch on it because this is a baseball podcast. But Henrik Lundqvist, who briefly was with the Caps, announced today that he's having a major open heart surgery and will be obviously missing the season. I expect he won't be um, playing hockey again. I mean, I don't know. Stranger things have happened. Alex Smith plays quarterback still. So. Um, it could happen, but I just really, it actually reminded me of this, Nick, when you mentioned kind of the way around baseball, people have reacted to Howie Kendrick's retirement and uh, it's neat to see 
a similar thing happening with Lundqvist, the amount of respect and, and well wishes and everything he's getting from all around the league. And he said there's more to sports than just the business. That's obviously a big part of it. And winning is the biggest thing. And that's what everybody wants. But, you know, people dedicate their lives to these games. We enjoy watching them play. And I, I, I really do enjoy it when the human side of it takes priority sometimes. And I feel like we saw that with Kendrick and we saw it with Lundquist after his announcement today. So sending best wishes for a full and healthy and quick recovery to him. And hopefully we will see him in a Caps uniform one day in a game yep. instead of practice. <laughs> All right. We got anything else before we go? Nope. I think we're good. Hoping for, you know, another big Nats move. Yes. Or three. Or three would be good all right well thank you guys for listening as always we appreciate it um check us out on twitter at a white 7877 at dc natchak at half shack cap at one pursuit takes at mdt 0618 and the show at half street high heat and that is where we will post the manscaped bowl of the week um, for our outfield rankings and we'd love to have you guys vote and tell us why we're wrong and who your top 10 would be you uh, guys have a great week probably not going to be many replies because i'm never wrong right except when you were about anyway good night there's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the potomac a new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents the nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later let's By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.